Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show with me, Sean Sheehan, here on Sherdog.com. Uh, and today I want to bring you a bit of an overview show, honestly, because uh, we're just coming off of two weeks off, a weekend off, however you want to say it. It's probably a weekend off for fans and maybe two weeks off for, for, uh, for some of the media, at least, anyway. And... Um, it kind of got me thinking, you know, I love looking at kind of the overall trends of MMA and t- to have kind of maybe a weekend off or even a couple of days where you're not analyzing fights and looking ahead and spending maybe your off time from actually like creating content or whatever it might be, uh, preparing for that creation of content or preparing for the fights upcoming, gives you a chance to maybe think about other things and look into other things. And one thing that I really kind of looked at uh, over the last couple of weeks is just fight cards themselves and all around fight cards and kind of maybe the um, the, the trends that are happening with fight cards these days. And <clears throat> it, it's really, and when I say overview, I mean overview. Uh, today I'm going to look at some of the cards and uh, an overview of the top of the cards and maybe I'll dive into actually a few of the cards itself in the second half of the podcast here to talk about specific lineups of specific cards. But what I want to start off here with is talking about the headliners and what decides a headliner and why the UFC or Bellator or whoever, Bellator, even Bellator, uh, whoever it might be, might decide who is in the headlining act here. Now, this is one where I said the UFC and Bellator here because it kind of has to be them. Um, the PFL has their, uh, you know, their tournaments. So if Kelly Harrison's on the card, she's headlining at that weight class. If it's, you know, m- maybe Rory McDonald and he's the biggest, it- it's down to the weight class. They do maybe two weight classes in one week, two weight classes next week too. So they don't really count if you want to put it that way. If it gets to the very end, then let's say it's, I don't know, to Jeremy Stevens versus Anthony Pedersen. That's probably going to be the main event in the finale if it's for the belt or whatever. So it's it's very difficult, uh, different with um with them and also some of the more regional promotions, even Cage Warriors and others, where they don't really have a heavyweight division, not many light heavyweights and stuff. You know, it's mostly going to be, you know, the, the middleweights to one thirty fivers. So. This is mostly the UFC and Bellator. And even with Bellator, you could say they don't have the most stacked heavyweight division. But having said that, let's dive into a little bit of it anyway. And one thing I noticed is that there seems to be a disproportionate amount of UFC heavyweight headliners than in the other divisions. And it's a thing that it, it it's... Look... I've written down here a couple of bullet points like what am I going to, uh, of what I'm going to talk about here and my first one is kind of is it understandable that you would put heavyweights in that spot and I think you know to for to, to, to not think about it too much you'd probably say yeah it probably is look people like a heavyweight fight people like big knockouts uh people like the big boys <laughs> gone in there fighting and also i think another point to that as well there is that there is kind of so much turnover at heavyweight that you probably know if it's a rosenstroke or a volkov or a blades or uh, a Derek lewis you probably know them even if they're not at the very very top upper echelon with the likes of inganu and others you know them from maybe fighting him or you know them from the last headliner and all of that. But is that which comes from first, the chicken or the egg in, in that uh, scenario? So we let me just give you a couple of uh, shouts at a few of the events that have happened upcoming and that have happened over the last year uh, in the UFC with heavyweight headliners. So upcoming, 
We have um, Blades versus Aspinall, which is obviously the, the London main event. We, uh, you know, Volkov versus Rosenstruck just happened there. Um, if you go back down through the last couple of weeks, we had Blades versus Dawkins, which happened back in March. In the week before that, we had Volkov versus uh, Aspinall. We have a lot of light heavyweights as well, I found. You know, we have uh, Santos versus Ankalaev, uh, Walker versus Hill as well. Then we had, obviously, you know, the heavyweight title fight of Nganu versus Ganya is going to be uh, a main event. When that happens, that happened back in uh, in January. Then we had Lewis versus Dawkins towards the end of last year uh, as well. We had the light heavyweight uh, main event of Blahovic versus Teixeira back in October. And, you know, I could keep going on. We had Smith versus Span. Uh, you know, and Lewis versus Gagne if you want to go back to August of last year and go on and on and on and on so there's lots of heavyweight uh, main events now you look through the other cards and let's say we even look at the, the couple coming up here uh, with Teixeira Te- 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 versus uh, Prohachka obviously coming up this weekend is the, the light heavyweight uh, fight uh, then we've um, Kater versus Emmett we have Adesanya versus Cannoneer we've Adesanya versus Fazayev all you know, all different weight classes there. Then Pena versus Nunes, and then you know, before that we have Blades versus Aspinall. So if you look through, like all of that, okay, it's it's well spread out. But the events before it, it feels like there are, <clears throat> you know, maybe it's thirty percent heavyweight fights. Maybe it's a little bit less than that. But there aren't thirty percent heavyweights in the UFC compared to uh, to the other fighters. Now. When when you look at that, right, that that's uh, that's with the UFC. Look at Bellator then. So their events in 2022, well, we've Bader versus Moldovsky, which, um, you know, is for the, uh, the, uh, the belt, obviously in that, uh, division, um, with, you know, when you see, <laughs> when you see Bader fighting, you know, that, uh, you know, that he's going to be the, the champion, both when it's the, the heavyweight title fight as well. And that one obviously is going to be champion. So that, that is the one heavyweight fight. Uh, that they have had this year in a main event. They have Gracie versus Storley, Musasi versus Vanderford, Borrocks versus uh, Bornell, McKee versus Pitbull 2, Velasquez versus Carmouche, Cyber versus Blinko 2, uh, obviously Bader versus Congo, sorry, there's two for the, the championship as well, and MVP versus Storley as well. So, two championship fights are the only ones they've had as uh, main events. Now, you could say, okay, everyone is, is a championship fight, but it's not. You know, the, the Barks versus Burnell fight wasn't a championship fight. Gracie versus Storley, you know, that was in Chartnone. No, that's not a championship fight as well. And I'm sure maybe they could have got, uh, you know, moved other things around to have other things in, in main events. Last year as well, you Pettis versus Haraguchi, Cyber versus Kavanaugh, Queeley versus Pitbull 2, Fedor versus Johnson. Okay, Fedor in the main event as a heavyweight. Nimkov and Glickis Lima, MVP, Davis Romero, Congo, uh, Haritanov. Obviously, there's another one there, Musasi versus Salter, and you know, Johnson versus Moldovsky as well. And that was the only uh, heavyweight fight for the rest of it. So, around four out of 18 for for last year so i would say around the same last year or maybe a little bit um a little bit less this year so it's <laughs> bellator and the ufc are, are both doing it kind of here I, th- I would say bellator a little bit less but the ufc uh a lot and i'll, I'll ask you the reasons do fans like it i would say you know, some fans probably like it. Would I, if you were to put it to, do the hardcore fans like it? Is this what the hardcore fans want in their main events? 
I would probably say no for the most part, especially because it's five rounds, right? And if you have, say, mid-level heavyweights, and I get into the divisions in a second and maybe compare numbers versus numbers and see which people would prefer in the uh, in the main event slot, would the the hardcore fans who know, know more about MMA, who's watching UFC Fight Night Vegas 59, you know, <laughs> would they prefer that? I would say probably no. So what is, you know, for years, the UFC told us they were creating these cards, they were doing these things for us, you know, for for the fans to have the cards that we want to please us, to give us exactly what we need. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't think that's as true as it once was. I definitely don't think it's true anymore. So what what is the reason they're doing it? Well, the reason they're doing it, I would say, is because they've already been paid the money. You know, ESPN pays them the money for the pay-per-view cards. They pay them the money for the cards they're putting on uh, on TV. And, you know, that's that, basically. Um, so do they need to actually, like, think about it? Do they need to really delve into what the fans want? Do they really need to delve into what it's going to be, you know, what, what we need long-term in terms of the next card that's coming up in six weeks' time? No, my answer would probably be yes, but did, do they think they do? I would say probably, they probably say they do as well, but I, I, in in practice of what we're seeing, is that the case? I would say probably no. And I, I would say probably no to that. Um, I think they are, there's a certain laziness in, in the UFC more so than any. Now, you know, we look went through the Bellator cards there as well. It's the it's the title fights for Bellator and it is the Fedor fight. So it's not as much there. They don't really have the as many. You know, you'd want Congo fight or whatever, but that was a number one contender fight. They don't have the seven versus nine or the, you know, the, the, the three versus five or whatever it might be as title fights. Um, and... The, the reason I think the UFC are happy enough to do that is, I'll say it again, because of that that money and that, that the fact it's already there and the fact that they don't need to push the next star to become the next guy, to become the next, uh, you know, star again, let's say it. Because, look, Derek Lewis or Volkov or um, Rosenstruck, whoever it might be, is not going to become the next star. Derek Lewis has become a bit of a star and I think he's done a great job, but he's not going to become... You know, he's not going to become a McGregor or a Jones or Habib. Now, or, or even, you know, an Adesanya maybe, a, a someone who's kind of a, a burgeoning star, but is a star probably at a certain level or a cyborg or whatever it might be. Whereas, like, someone in an upcoming division, and as I said, we look at the divisions in a second now, um, they could. And why not push them in that spot instead of a heavyweight in the spot there? Now, let's forget about heavyweights for a second and we will roll back to it but if you're looking at the overall building of these cards why not build it in such a way that it's it's a card you're already paid for right you are uh not obliged to do much with that card except you know put out uh, how many however many fights however many hours however many minutes on that night for espn or espn plus or you know what uh is it abc in america or whatever it is you're obliged to do that but why not build yourself for the future in a better way like this espn deal won't last forever now they might re-up the deal but when you are re-upping the deal let's have fox trying to come back and get it let's have uh you know um the uh, USA Network trying to get it. Let's have Amazon try to get it. Let's have Netflix try to get it, or whoever it might be, try to try to bid for this so you get more money. 
oh, and what's the best way to earn more money to have uh, to have more of a valuable product in terms of what you can do with the fights itself. Now they they do a great job behind the scenes, and you know everything they've done to build the uh, to build the promotion has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm not talking about that at all. You know Dana White says people like me having a clue about that part of the business. And from my point of view, he's absolutely right. I haven't a clue about that part part of the business. It looks great from from uh, where I see it. They're doing great there. But I what I have a clue about is watching fights and watching it through years and know what fans want and know what fans want to consume and know what will happen in the future if you have uh, placed the people in the right place throughout the years. And it feels like they're place they're not doing that right now. They're not placing the right people in the right place at the very top of the cards to bring them on to get them to that next level. It feels like there is almost too much of the tried and trusted. If you get me, there's no chances being taken. Like, uh, just I, I don't know. Let me look, let me look at the rankings here and let me see. Like a few people, even even on the way up, someone like Yair Rodriguez in a main event, which we, we have seen before. But you know, I I think they need to do more of that. They need to put Sean O'Malley into a main event. Now, do do I necessarily think he'll be a champion and he'll be you know he'll defend the belt forever? Maybe not. Or you probably don't. Or and maybe I do. It doesn't really matter at this stage. But push him. You know, promote someone, push them into that top spot, lift them up, and in five years' time, or in, uh, you know, five months' time or something, they might be this massive star, and then you've someone created, and you could say, look, they've headlined there, this fight brought them there, and we helped to make them a star. If you look at the UFC stars throughout the last few years, a lot of them have been self-made. Like, you look at Chris Cyborg... Um, she came into the UFC as a monster. Ronda Rousey very much pushed her way to become a star. I would say that Conor McGregor is probably the, the greatest example ever of pushing himself to become a star with you know with his documentary and with his social media presence and with, with the fact he took fights very quickly and everything like that. But if you look at all three of those people I just mentioned as well, the headlining spots, the big spots, the fights made them the star that they became. If McGregor hadn't been pushed into big fights, would he become the star uh, he became? If Ronda Rousey hadn't been given the main event slot against uh, against uh, Carla Esparza at that, uh, Carla Esparza, uh, Liz Carmouche at that time, would she have become the star? No, maybe, prob- probably would have been. But I, I, I really think that happens. Now, Cyborg was a bit different. She was already kind of a star at that stage when uh, uh, when she came to the UFC, but. I, I would love that. Like, even so, say someone like a Jack Shore or Evolve or, you know, uh, Jim Halil. We've seen a bit of it. Now, the, the higher weight classes, we do see a bit of it with, like Aspinall. Look at Aspinall. Perfect example. A great example. Aspinall's been given a main event. He's another main event coming up. And look at him. People are talking about him as a star. People view him as a star. He's getting attraction now in England and stuff, and he's becoming one of those guys. Like, give Sean, give Sean Brady a main event. Um... Uh, look at the the big fight for uh, Hamza Shemaev. Look how much of an, an additional star that made him to fight Gilbert Burns in that very tough fight. Even though, okay, it wasn't a it wasn't a main event, but still, it was a big fight and a big card. And we will get to, more to that in a second. But it it is there, and they can do it, and it can happen. And I think they need to do more of it. And the, the example is there itself, as I said, with heavyweight. They have set the example at heavyweight for the up-and-coming guys. Now, it's grand to do it at heavyweight for the up-and-coming guys. My problem at heavyweight is for the, the kind of the tried and tested guys. Like, like do, do we really need, like, last week, Volkov versus um, versus Rosenstruck in the main event? Do we really need, like, Derek Lewis versus, 
you know, whoever uh, whoever it might be in, in, in the main event. Like, let me let me just pull up the division here. And let's let's say, look, they put Derek Lewis versus Rosenstruck in a main event. Or they put, you know, Volkov versus uh, Curtis Blades in a main event or whatever. Do we really need to see that, like, in a main event? Do we really need to see that over five rounds? Or would you rather see... Uh, okay, let, let's do it this way. So Volkov is seven, Rosenstruck is eight. Let's look for seven and eight in other divisions, right? So at, um, at uh, 135... Uh, Rob Font versus Dominic Cruz. Would that be? Well, imagine that as a five-round main event. What a fight that'd be! That'd be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Josh Emmett versus Jiga Chikadze. That'd be a great five-round main event. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos versus Conor McGregor. This is the, okay. I, I I think I was lucky getting seven and eight here. Wonderboy Thompson versus Masvidal. There you go. Now these are not maybe necessarily up-and-comers, but as a, a fight-night main event. There's nothing wrong with that either. Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till. Reyes versus Craig. In the women's divisions, Andrade versus Rodriguez. I think that'd actually be a good main event. Uh, Ansara versus Torres. Arujo versus Maya. But, then, you know, there's others. You could put, say, Tyler Santos obviously fighting for the title coming up. Like her versus an Andrade or something like that. Or McKinsey Dern versus, um, you know, Zhang uh, Weili or whatever it might be. You know, there are some fight like, McKinsey Dern, I think, is a great example as well. She is someone okay. She might uh, she may not have had the best uh, career in terms of winning or going on runs and everything like that. But she's a star. She's people. Uh, she she's someone people like. She's someone people know. Um, why not push her a little bit? Or why not push Rodriguez a little bit? Why not push them into a main event? You know, I, I think that is something that they really need to do uh, a little bit better. And I I think it's something that it, it's it's not a massive change in what the UFC are doing. But I think it could be a massive change in what they have upcoming in the future. Um, and look, when you look at Bellator as well, it is a little bit easier because there, there are less cards. And, I, uh, you know, I said there, uh, when you're looking through the cards, maybe Bellator have a similar percentage of heavyweight fights or, or fights, you know, like that. But the fact that they have a lot less cards doesn't make it seem as overwhelming maybe as the UFC. Um, and... Maybe putting on less cards is the answer. No, I think we'd all probably agree that less cards would be great. The UFC are not going to do that, especially the fact that they've already been, you know, been paid the money to, to put on those cards. So for at least the next, is it two more years? I think it might be two more years. I'm not, I'm not sure, but the, however long the ESPN, maybe it's three years, they, this ESPN deal uh, is going. They're going to have that amount of cards anyway. So that's not nothing we can hope for. Not, like, and it's not even us as fans or you know media or whatever. Uh, I think it's for the UFC themselves. I think having too many fighters uh, on the roster, having too many fights, it has led to kind of a, a degradation in the quality maybe of the overall product like i always say it with ferrari and fiat you know they're the same company but one's called a fiat one's called a ferrari and you know the difference between a ferrari and a fiat very very well don't you before it used to be a ufc fighter and a regional fighter now there isn't that much of a difference between a regional fighter and a ufc fighter in terms of a, a large percentage of the ufc fighters we see all the time this is dana white contender series fighter it might be a fighter who's you know five and or five and one or three and five or, or three and oh or something like that on the cards no that that's not to say they're not a good fighter or anything like that but that's not to say they are a good fighter either like say someone like a Paul Hughes on the way up as a featherweight could be better than a large percentage right now even though he's still only on his way up of the UFC roster because they maybe have been signed to earlier come from the Dana White Contender Series so there's a guy out there who is you know rising to become a Ferrari and maybe there's a lot of Fiat's ahead of him in the road <laughs> if you want to put it that way you know and I don't think that's good for the UFC because the UFC should be the apex, the UFC should be the number one uh, in the world, and they still are, 
but they also have like this you know magnificent front of the car and then the back is all bashed in and I think that is a big issue for him and when and, and my, my main point here around like the top of the guards and around how, how cards are maybe uh, put out is when you have that when you have like the, the lower level as, as not as strong as it once was and then you have the top level where you're showing maybe a weaker hand than you actually have then that makes the whole product look bad altogether and I don't think that's good at all. So let's quickly look. I, I said I'd look at at the um, the kind of maybe the, the the layout of cards, and let's do that for uh, the last couple of pay per views maybe. So you look at UFC two seven four. You had uh, Oliveira versus Gaethje and Esparza versus Namajunas. Okay, that turned out to be the way it was. But then you had Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson as well. Now to me, that is the perfect top three fights. If you were to pick out any three fights for the card to put in the top three, you put the two title fights, the, the premier title fight, I would say, in the, in the top. Actually, the f- now, this was before the weight miss. After Oliveira missed the weight, I would have put Esparza versus Namunas. Thankfully, they didn't because of the way that fight turned out. But I think that would have been the right way to go. Anyway, we forget about that. We forget about the weight miss. But the two title fights and your main banger of a fight tore from the top. Some places like WWE, even when they're putting their cards, and I'm sure other MMA promotions as well, they put maybe a sleeper fight in the middle, give people a chance to kind of recoup and get back into it then. Then after that, they had OSP versus Shogun Hua. Now, that's a fight that didn't turn out to be great, but that's a fight I wouldn't have had there either. Like, let's put that as the main event in the prelims, and let's put a banger, you know, Rival versus Schnell in that position. Let's push one of those guys. Whoever wins that is only a couple of fights away from fighting for the title at Flyweight. Let's put that in there. Let's put Lupi Garinas in there. Andre Filo is a guy who's rising up and up and looks really good. Put him in that spot. And then you have the opener versus Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams, which everyone thought was, might be a banger. Open in the card. There's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Look, sometimes, and I understand why they put OSP versus uh, Shogun Hua in there, because it is name value, and I understand that. They put Trinaldo versus Roberts, which was destined to be a good fight and had some name value as well, on the top of the prelim card. So I think that they did a good job of that one. They did a good job of showing where uh, that should be. Now, let's take one that wasn't great. Volkov versus Aspinall. So they had... They had Volkov versus Aspinall as the main event. And they had... You know, Aaron Lallan versus uh, Dan Hooker as the co-main event. Uh, Paddy Pimlet versus Kazula Vargas after that. They had Gunny Nelson versus Sado. Monty McCann versus Louis Carolina. Elia Tapuria versus Herbert. Now, Elia Tapuria versus Joy Herbert, that's the perfect fight to open up the main card as well. It's a banger of a fight. They like doing that. I agree with that. I think that's good as well. The top of the prelims, they had Macwan Amerikani versus Mike Grundy. Turned out to be a 57-second submission. Beforehand, maybe I didn't think that'd be the most amazing fight, but still, it worked out well. They were right; they put it in the right position. Now, below that, you have Plavovich versus Abdurahimov. Fair enough, but you've Paul Craig versus Nikita Krylov. You've Jack Shore versus Timur Valiev, and you know you've Mikhaev, who's a massive star. He's opening the card. No problem with that. It was his first fight against Cordy Durden. They probably should recognize how big of a star this guy could be, but forget about that for a second, right? I, I think the biggest issue here is Paul Craig against Nikita Krylov. And I, I, look, I, I, I kind of argued against heavyweight, light heavyweight fights being given a bigger showing. But Paul Craig, Paul Craig has been on such a run recently that the fact that he's buried in those prelims is ridiculous. Like, if you look at it, he since 2019, he's won five and drawn one against Shogun. And he's gone on and beat Shogun after that. Beat Jamahal Hill, who's one of the top guys in the world. And obviously, you know, this is including the Krylov fight uh, in that one. Why are you not pushing uh, Paul Craig? Like, Paul Craig is a guy 
in you know who can go to Glasgow and headline a card. He's a guy who will put on an exciting fight against the guys at the top of the division, and he's buried what seventh, eighth, eighth, ninth, even ninth on the card in the middle of the prelims. He's a ranked guy right up there. Let me let me just check where he is in the rank. He's probably risen a bit since then, but he's right up there towards the uh, the, the the top of the rankings in number eight. He was probably what probably ten or eleven before this, maybe nine. And you you put him in that spot. I think that's one of those ones that makes no sense. I feel like that's one of the ones where they just chew names at the wall. Dana White has it behind him. There's Paul Craig in there. Grant thought about it no more. We have the card. And then everyone's watching like, what's Paul Craig doing there? You know, when you have, uh, you know, Gunny Nelson versus uh, Sato. Gunny's on his way back. We know how good Gunny is and he's been around. Does he need to be in that spot? Like he's not a UK fighter. He's there's probably not a people a lot of people traveling over from Iceland to to watch him fight or Ireland maybe even. Could Gunny have been in the top spot of the prelims maybe and push push Paul Craig up there? I think probably that would have been okay. Or maybe even Molly the Molly McCann fight put her as the top fight of the prelim card and push him in there. Like you needed Paddy, you needed Allen, you needed Aspinall in the top. Absolutely. I think you needed to show respect to your ranked guy in one of your top divisions and put him in there. And I think that is something that the UFC like made a big mistake on. Uh, and finally, let, let, let's look at one of the the other um, pay-per-view cards, UFC 273, where they had obviously the top two fights as well, Volkanovski, Sterling, and then Shemaya versus Burns, and then McKenzie Dern versus uh, Torres, and Madsen versus Michelle. That, to me, is perfect, right? They did a great job with that. They had Ian Gary as well as the top of the prelim card against Darren Wiggs. Absolutely perfect. That's uh, Even, you know, I talked about there maybe a Gunny Nelson, maybe in the prelims. They had Raquel Pennington versus Aspen Ladd there. A similar sort of fight, I would say, in that sort of spot. And I think that made a lot of sense. This is the sort of thing they need to do. And when it's a card like this, then that's the funny thing. And I, I said it earlier about putting Aspinall into big spots. They can do it when they need to do it. You know, they can do it when they need to do it. And this was one of the big cards of the year. This is the one where Shamayev was becoming the guy and where Volkanovski was fighting, uh, you know, against Chan Sung Jung. We had a massive rematch between Sterling and Yan. This was the fight, the fight card that they needed you know that they needed to uh to to be big and they did it in that so they can do it and that almost makes other cards more disappointing but overall and and to kind of end it out here i i think it's it's an issue that maybe people don't think about all that very much ufc included but i also think it's an issue that the ufc could alleviate and could fix very very quickly and it'd be better for the fans it'd be better for the ufc and you know what it'd be better for the future of the sport all right everyone i will leave it there if you enjoyed this let me know and i'll do more things like this um you know let me know any topics you want discussed or anything you want to, to, to talk about you know i've obviously done a lot about judging and a lot of previews for the cards and stuff but i want to do kind of free form chats like this as well uh to kind of go through things and may, maybe uh you know delve into them a little bit more so we'll leave it at that my name is sean sheehan for shardog.com and i'll see you all next time <laughs>